So here we are on a cold morning in Burgundy. They promised us snow, but fortunately it hasn't happened. Feeling a bit windswept though. And I have with me Frédéric Angerer, who's in charge of the wine domains of the Pinot family. And also Michel Malard, who is the technical Bonjour. director here on the ground in uh, Domaine Eugenie in Vaudreuil. And you can actually see, I think, some vines behind us. Which are these vines here? So these vines are in uh, the heart of the domain, uh, which is just side of uh, the, the building. And this is a village appellation that we baptized uh, Clos de Genie. It may just be village, but there are some pretty smart uh, vineyards further up the hill. The old... Just side of um, the Grand Cru appellation yes, in Vaudreuil. Exactly. There's the old monopole Grand Cru further up. It's getting cold out here. Why don't Shall we, we go inside? Let's After do that. You, Thank you. Feel about ready for a glass of wine. Right. Why does someone get warm here? Indeed not. So, welcome uh, everybody. And today is actually a first because we're not just broadcasting to uh, the 67 Pall Mall uh, enthusiastic. Uh, uh, friends and customers around uh, Europe, but also we have two teams in Asia who are listening in. Uh, there is the 67 Palmao Club in Singapore, where Richard Hemming has got a, a group of uh, convives, we call them here in French. And uh, also we have in Hong Kong, uh, Altaya, the very excellent importers of Domaine Eugenie. Uh, they also have got a gathering. So welcome to everybody. There'll be opportunities for you all to put your questions uh, at any time, either from the rooms through Richard and Erica, or else those of you who are listening at home, then you can use the chat in the normal way, and uh, we will endeavor to pick up any questions as we go along. So I know this domain uh, well, uh, Frederic, from uh, a long time, from its uh, origins when it was uh, Domaine Angel. I didn't know. Uh, indeed, yeah. I didn't know René Angel, uh, nor indeed Pierre Angel, but uh, I did know Philippe Angel, and then, of course, as uh, sadly is now well known, uh, Philippe passed away. What was to be done? The domain was put up for sale, and uh, you were the guys who uh, who, who uh, won that particular uh, round. And congratulations. So, uh, I think it's probably true to say that it was tricky to begin with, because. Maybe some people in Burgundy weren't so keen on uh, outsiders in inverted commas, particularly with a, a Bordeaux context coming in. But uh, I think you've managed to silence the critics over the years. But it must have been a challenge to start. Right. Uh, first of all, uh, a warm welcome to all of you. I know some a uh, lot of uh, uh, good friends in the, in the room. I've seen the list of, uh, of of some friends. I recognize some names in uh, in Hong Kong in particular. So welcome to all of you. It's a, it's a it's a first for us. We are right in the in the uh, house in the middle of a village of uh, Von Romane. Um, so yes, it's been now uh, more than 15 years that we, we acquired this uh, this estate. Um, for any uh, wine lover, uh, Burgundy is a dream. So we started uh, with uh, the Pinot family to uh, to dream to acquire an estate uh, actually from two or three. Uh, and I remember on the top of, uh, of my list, there was Claude de Tarte somewhere. 
for the anecdote. Um, uh, and then, and then we were we were very luck, lucky to uh, to have had the opportunity to acquire Domaine uh, Domaine Angel and what we renamed Domaine de Genie, which is not necessarily a very big estate in size, but that has some uh, unbelievable parcels. And I think we'll, uh, Michel will. Uh, We'll describe these parcels in details uh, a bit uh, a bit later on. Uh, and yes, it's funnily enough, as you said, uh, Jasper, uh, and you know uh, Burgundy so well. We're very happy that uh, uh, this uh, this first is with you today. Uh, yes, we had this uh, this Bordeaux label on the stuck on the on our forehead, uh, and uh, which which is funny because uh, uh, we're not necessarily from Bordeaux originally. The Pinot family is from from Paris. I personally uh, uh, have been uh, in Burgundy for so many years since my uh, my since I think I could I was allowed to to start drinking uh, wine. And Michel uh, is a, is a local Burgundian from uh, a Burgundy uh, producing family, uh, but it's the way it is. And uh, and uh, yes, this, uh, it was also times where Bordeaux and Burgundy. We're, we're, we're not always friends. Not always friends. Yeah. And now uh, I see more and more. Uh, of my uh, of my friends in Bordeaux drinking Burgundy and I think vice versa and so this uh, uh, this cliche I think of start to collapse a little bit that would be good so in fact when you were able to take over the domain there was very little continuity mm. there wasn't really the workforce no, uh, no family members uh, didn't in fact uh, stay in the old buildings so you mm. were first of all in Louis Saint Georges before coming here and so you were looking around for somebody to appoint and uh, you found Michel. So, Michel, you come from just down the road, I think, uh, from Ladois, is it? Uh, yes, I just come from, uh, welcome to everybody, and good evening, maybe it's later than uh, right. in uh, Von Romane. Uh, so, I'm a Burgundian, of course, and I'm uh, just uh, from Ladois, which is the last village of the Côte de Beaune. And um, just to sum up a little bit my um, parcours. Yes. Yes. So uh, um, I did some. Uh, I did uh, a degree in Champagne region uh, for two years, and uh, I moved back to uh, Bordeaux for three years because I did an engineer and energist degree. I also work in Bordeaux for a year and a half it as is, a seller master. He's the one from Bordeaux, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> but my rostock is Burgundy. Um, and I did. Uh, I had the opportunity to come uh, and join uh, this adventure uh, since uh, the 11th of September, 2006, as a uh, oh, okay. technical so, director yes. of uh, Domaine de Genie uh, since the beginning. Uh, and as you said, uh, Jasper, uh, for the the first vintage, we were a little bit uh, uh, funny because uh, we were. Um, uh, um, Mrs. Angel just sold the, the, the vineyard, so yes. we were a little bit camping uh, between New Saint Georges for um, vinifying, aging, bottling. But uh, some of the stores were the bottles were stored in Bone, tractors were stored in Moray, so um, and the office was in the pickup. Well, I think everybody <laughs> understood that the quality of the wines wasn't going to arrive in the first vintage. Even established domains who take on a new vineyard, it often takes them five or six years mm -hmm. to get it to where they want it to be. Uh, so uh, today's tasting is going to be concentrating more on wines made in the last uh, six or seven years, um, which is the period in which I think this domain has really started to take off and, uh, and gain its, its rightful place. And I must say, I, I, I mean, I knew you before from, uh, from, uh, from Bordeaux, Frederic, and, uh, and I came and tasted right from the start. 
and uh, did, uh, the company I was working for at that point were very happy to take on the wines, but we knew it would be a bit of a learning curve. And the two things that made me very happy and feel that the future was going to be good, one was that you were and actually you still are the biggest critic uh, or one of the biggest critics of your own wines. When we're tasting in the cellar, there's no, oh, wow, and you've got to taste the Clos Rougeau now. It's incredible this year. There's no feel of that. There's really, I want to get inside this. I want to understand everything we've done. Did we get it right? Could we do better? And the other thing is that you made some changes in the vineyards. Uh, and I think, am I right in saying you sold off some that you weren't too happy with mm -hmm. and you have pulled out uh, other vineyards where you know that you want to keep, for example, all the brûlée, but you needed to make some changes to what was there. So that must have been a challenge. Yeah, we, arriving here, we were very ambitious uh, quality-wise, uh, obviously. And the bottom line is to make wines that, that we love to drink, that we're proud of, that we want to drink in, uh, in 10, 20 years. And I think uh, uh, keeping this, uh, this mood of, of, of being self-critical, uh, staying unsatisfied of our wines, being able to, to taste other wines and say, this is really what we would love to make. Uh, and, and this is a, a permanent uh, uh, work. Uh, this is this is uh, this never stops, and this quest for quality and for excellence is uh, is, is never stops. So it's true that there was one parcel that we uh, we, we finally uh, uh, resold. We were extremely happy to uh, to acquire uh, this uh, parcel of Claude Eugenie, which was not originally in the Angel Estate. That's important to to say. Uh, that's the, but, only, the only vineyard that's arrived since uh, of Reds is that one. Is that one? Yeah. Uh, but but really, I think what our, our, one of our number one motivation was this uh, uh, unbelievable uh, parcel of a Clos-Rougeau right in the center of the appellation, uh, uh, at the top, but but also very central. Uh, that is really the, the I believe a flagship of the of the estate, even though we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, the Grand Echezot, Les Brûlés today, another wine. But this Clos Bougeau is quite, uh, is quite amazing. Do you remember that tasting we did in Bordeaux when you first had the chance to, to um, take this property? You invited me and quite a few other people around and you got as many samples as you could of mature or semi-mature Clos Bougeau right, to right. see if we could work out what was going to be the best spot. Mm. And at the end of it, we discovered that people who made good wine made the best Clos Bougeau. <laughs> It still makes a difference where you're located. It's much better if you're in the top parts, uh, but nonetheless, it's the quality of the winemaking. If, which, uh, if you can see, and that's the puzzle we're talking about here. Yes, we will, we will, and it's we great to have it all as one block. So now I hope that everybody who is uh, watching from home or from Hong Kong and Singapore have got uh, these little tasting booklets or equivalents thereof. Uh, and you'll see a lot of information, um, so much that I hardly need to talk later on. Uh, about the domain, but one page which will be helpful is page six, because that has got a small map of uh, all the holdings, so you can see not just which vineyards they're in, but where they are within the vineyards. And towards the bottom of that map, you'll see Claude Eugenie, and that is where we are speaking to you from today. I, I, I take this opportunity to say that, and we won't be tasting any today, and we apologize for that due to very small quantities, but since 2012, we have uh, a little bit of white wines uh, included in our, in our estates. So we have a, a, one ouvre of Morache, one ouvre of uh, Batard Morache, two ouvre of uh, Meursault Poruso that are 
very well located and a bit more of Chassagne. Uh, so those of you who encounter some, some white wines, they are not, uh, they are not fake Eugénie. We do have a little <laughs> bit of whites, but, but, uh, but uh, due to the extremely small quantities, we're going to concentrate on the, on the, on the reds today. Absolutely, and I can't wait because the aromas are beginning to come up uh, out, of, out of the glass. So um, maybe let's take a look at the uh, first one. It's a 2015 uh, Clos Eugenie. And before I talk about uh, the wine itself, maybe Michel, what do you think is the character of this little Clos that you have, the soil type? Uh, is it an early ripening or late ripening place? Oh, this is... Um... Uh, early ripen uh, block because you've got these um, four walls which make like a, an oven and you've got the, the building of the, the the domain which is quite high and going to protect the the the, 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 the block from the north wind so it's always a ripen um, ripen appellation and um, it's quite uh, it's not very old we've got maybe like a 40 years old and um, this is the um, a block where we um, only use a tractor to to spray, mm. and we use uh, the, the horse to to to, to work the soil. Uh, it's always a, a test for us because uh, we mostly of, of, often um, uh, start harvest with this one. Okay, mm. so they don't have to go far because I've, I've been just here during the harvest. So it's very easy and, yeah, to, exactly. to to come uh, the, make the make the uh, mm. We should perhaps say that there is a village, uh, Von Romane, without vineyard name, which, uh, into which is blended uh, some of the other village vineyards and also anything which uh, has not been retained in the Premier Cruise and Grand Cruise, so young vines. This clue, when we, when we acquired it and we started to taste it, of course, the, the, mm. the question was, should we include it in the rest of, uh, of, uh, of the Von Romane village? We have a very good parcel of Lévigneux, uh, which is uh, uh, a bit north of the village, but it was clear that there was there is an, a singularity in this uh, in this claw. There is uh, 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 usually a lot of flesh, a lot of fruit, and, and it was our decision from the beginning to to separate it and to make a, a, a different bottling. And I, I, I think it was I think it you, was you right thing to do. On. And I think you make the wine slightly differently as well. Uh, are there any whole bunches in this? I'm smelling. In 2015, so, there is no bunch, is no, no old bunch. No, not at all. Okay. But it was maybe the first vintage where we um, we start to think of. Ah, okay. Yes. So this thing got some. Because mm. it's a it's a riper year. Yes, and it's um, it's uh, it's uh, uh, the first one we're tasting, but uh, it's maybe 15 is the first vintage where we start feeling the global warming. Mm. Yes. So before 15, we were more looking for maturity and concentration. And since then, we are more looking for uh, freshness. Mm. So it's maybe a, a, a vintage where we start to go in a transition. different way. Yes. Like a transition. Mm. And from 16, you have a more wall bench. Huh? The... 16 on the, this one, especially on uh, this village, we've got uh, 40%. Mm. And we went to uh, 60 to 70% on the Grand Cru. Okay, so that, that's the, the direction of travel. Uh, but this is certainly a, a sweetly harmonious wine that uh, you can feel that the grapes got ripe, but they aren't unbalanced. Uh, the alcohol degree is not excessive. Uh, I don't know if you remember exactly what we have here. I think but we've got, uh, I, can, I can just have a look uh, on the bottle. <laughs> it's just right there. 13. Right. 13. So it's not, um, 
It's not a big uh, yeah, no. level of alcohol. No, but it's certainly very graceful, and uh, which is what uh, Vern Romanet should be. It's, uh, it found it quite open already. Yes, immediately. As soon as I sat down, I could feel the aromatics coming up. Um, you can also feel the, the, the ripeness of the, yes. this appellation. You can. Looking at the vintage. There's plenty of glycerol in it. You can see the legs coming down the side of the glass. So I think, I mean, okay, my tendency is to wait a long time before I drink wines, but I'd have no objection to drinking that now. Uh, it's still in its primary fruit style, um, hasn't yet moved down the, the secondary path, but it's completely accessible, open. open yeah. to, to be honest, we had a, actually a bottle last night of that wine and, and, and we, we all drank it. Yeah, we, good. Well, that's what wine is for. We have a lot of pleasure. Well, no point in opening a bottle and not drinking it. <laughs> but it's true, it's a discussion we've been having with various friends uh, of late, is that it is not a straight arithmetical progression. Uh, the difference between um, 13 and 14 and a half is not just over 10%. Uh, it, it's much more than that in taste terms. So if you're at 13 or 13 and a half, you can probably sit and drink the bottle without a difficulty. Yes. Once you get 14 and more, you mm. can still appreciate the wine. You can still, still say, gosh, isn't that a good wine? But you don't actually want to finish the bottle, which True. is a True. mistake <laughs> for Burgundy. That's going to be a challenge in a few yeah. years. Yeah. So uh, just as a reminder, do um, keep using the chat function. And uh, Erica and Richard will, will funnel comments through to us. And if you do have questions at any point, ask them and we'll just try and weave them into the narrative. Thank you. Anything else you'd like to tell us about the, uh, the village wines of the domain before we move to the Premier Cru? So maybe uh, also say that uh, we, um, we don't have only the uh, Claude Eugenie as a village. We also have a village which is the only blend we, we produce. Uh, which is composed with uh, three lots, which is a rear village called Le Vigneux, which is uh, just uh, down on the cemetery on the way to Peugeot. Uh, to this uh, blend appellation, we also declassify the part of the brûlé. And we also, before um, uh, starting the big harvest, we are uh, going on uh, each block, Grand Cru, Premier Cru, and also the Clos de Genie to uh, take all the young vines and vinify them separately before blending to the village appellation. Mm -hmm. so you've got, we've got two labels of village, one which is a blend mm -hmm. and one which is a single vineyard, Claude de Genie. Right, so you're getting a bit extra in the, in the straight wine in the sense that you've got uh, some grapes from the Grand Cru's, but at the same time, Claude de Genie has got its own uh, special characteristic. That's, yes. uh, and when we taste them, in fact, when I'm tasting them from barrel in the cellar with you, you can see the progression mm -hmm. upwards and this vineyard does merit. It's in a, volume, it's in flesh, in yes. length, there are a difference. I would go with that. So, uh, 15 was an easy vintage to make, I think, uh, would you not say? The sun was shining, uh, there weren't too many obvious problems. Yeah, no, no. All was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's never, never truly all perfect, not for a, a farmer, no, no, no. including a grape farmer. Um, but the next vintage, yeah, 16, was, was very much a different story. And we're going to move to the Von Romanet Les Brûlés in uh, 2016. Um, in your next glass. Already you can see actually significantly more density of colour and, uh, and a more youthful colour as well. 
So Brule, um, so, uh, yeah, let's say Brule five uh, hectare in total, and we are, we are on uh, 1.2 hectare, which is quite a big, uh, a big block. And and, and but in fact, it's several mini blocks, isn't it? As you see, yes, it's 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 the northern part of Le Brule, which lies in on the two sides of that road uh, going uh, going west. And and as you say, there's actually the block you see here is actually in two parts. There's one. At the top, looking at the, at the les, les Beaumont uh, of Madame Leroy, which is just next to, to this parcel of Brulé, and there's a bottom part. And from the beginning, we vinified both uh, each uh, each plot uh, separately, and uh, we took the, the 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 tough decision to declassify the bottom part in uh, in Vaudreuil village from the very beginning. Yes. Uh, and now currently, uh, this is a parcel that has been uh, is in fallow. Yes, that uh, we removed and we need to. And, and Michel and his team have identified that uh, uh, the vegetal vegetal material needs to be changed. Yes, and so we are in follow for another two years now. Yes, we're going to replant in uh, autumn twenty second and February two thousand Okay, so that will be four or five years in total. In total, yeah, five which years. is which is great. <clears throat> and if you're visiting uh, Burgundy and you go up that little road that leads up. Uh, into the hills, the hamlet of Conquer, uh, you will see this big block uh, with a, a beautiful stone wall behind it, uh, which is where Domaine Eugenie have pulled out the vines that weren't up to, up to standard. So I'm going to taste the wine now. So 2016 uh, for Von Brule, technically any, any well, of course, the frost Arrived. I Michel, yeah, want to say a few words on the 16 in general. So yeah, so we should complicated, uh, hear that. Um, so 16, uh, we will uh, always remind uh, 16 with uh, two words, I think. It's first, which happened the 27th of uh, April. Um, and mildew, mm. of course, because yes. uh, the, the spring was, uh, the temperature was mm. quite normal, but uh, we had so much rain during the spring. Mm. And, um, and it's what, what's very funny because uh, Claude Eugénie is a parcel just uh, right there, is the, uh, the only one which he did, uh, doesn't trust. Uh, we have the chance to have a, a nice um, uh, domain which, uh, with um, lots of great uh, uh, appellation. And um, if you're just looking at uh, Brûlé, we, um, we are on the Combe. We are on the Combe Brûlé and uh, the Echezeau are on the Combe d'Orvaux and uh, our Clomougeau, which is situated on the top of the, mm. the, the appellation, frost a lot also. We are on the cone of the dejection of the cone of um, this Combe. So um, to come back on the Brûlé, mm. we've got this uh, nice um, block, which is uh, on the very uh, low soil. And we are on the uh, limestone of uh, Promo, which mm. is very uh, uh, tender. It brings this um, this uh, warm effect mm. because we are facing south with low soil, but it's compensated with um, this uh, comb which brings some uh, cool air. Mm. Um, we've got approximately half hectares, and production in uh, 16 was four barrels. Ouch, four barrels yeah, from 12 ouvres. So that's, yes, that's. that's yes, but we declassified a part of. Yeah. So okay, we that's... are now. It's not, 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 not wonderful for the bank balance, but uh, 
It's a brilliant wine, and it's absolutely got that 2016 uh, characteristic, which is of that fresh, uh, crunchy, croquant in French, uh, finish to it. There's a density to the fruit as well. So it's an atypical vintage, uh, but one which um, most of us Burgundy lovers are excited by in general. Uh, a question has, has, has flooded in from Singapore. They'd like to know a little bit about the farming practices, the viticulture. So uh, where do you stand on that? That's organic, biodynamic, where are you at the moment? So we, when we uh, took over the Menor d'Angel, we uh, took over the vineyards. Uh, we were uh, quite uh, active on the bio uh, strategy. And uh, I'm very proud uh, to say that uh, the vintage 2020, which is already in barrels, will be the first vintage certified for the Menor d'Angel. Okay. So now we can say that uh, so 1819 and it, uh, 17, we stopped 1819, we are on the conversion. Yes. Uh, so you were in practice probably organic before then? Before then we were yeah. organic, yeah. but we were not looking for the certification. Okay. So uh, after we decided to go on this process, right. so we went to conversion yeah. and certified in 2020. Um, we're using a little bit of uh, biodynamic. It's a very, uh, it's a big chemical, uh, biodynamic, but uh, I think we, we go step by step. Hmm. Um, uh, I think that's a fair approach because to be organic, if you want to say you're organic, then you can prove that there are, and it's better to be certified. Once we start talking about biodynamics, then there are many ideas, many particular things you can do. But for me, it's more of a philosophical approach. And, and, it's not, and, and personal also. Yes. Yeah. Each, uh, each uh, winemaker needs to have its own uh, yes. uh, ressenti, as we say Absolutely. in French, uh, feeling. And your other, the other domains that you look after? Yeah, all, 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 our, all our estates at, uh, at Artemis Domain are all, uh, all, all certified. Some are, some are very advanced, like uh, Isaiah Vignette in, uh, yeah. in, uh, in uh, Calistoga, that, uh, that has a Demeter certification. But when Michel says uh, uh, certified from 2020, Actually, the von Romane Brulé and that Claude de Genie, where, where we just uh, uh, saw before, were the first uh, experiences we had in uh, in uh, in bio since 2009. Right. So 11, 12 years ago now. Yeah. So they, they've really had a chance to to get friendly to the uh, the organic system. Wonderful. And and the experience we took from Burgundy was also very useful for Bordeaux. For, actually, yes. This was totally the other way, the other way around. This is a practice, and this is a uh, a certain level of, of comfort that we gain mm. to practice uh, uh, bio viticulture in Burgundy that we're able to to implement in Bordeaux in 08 or 09 also at a time where uh, Bordeaux was still a little uh, a little scared about uh, yes. about bio in that uh, humid yes. Uh, yes. humid climate and environment. Voilà. So I'm going to just retaste my brûlé. It's a vineyard I'm very fond of, actually, from uh, from whoever has it. But uh, uh, First Angel and uh, Eugenie are very much references for It's also 16, just to, to, to add a few words about the vinification. It's the first vintage where we feel more mm. um, confident to, to add um, to add some old cluster. Mm -hmm. So um, for the brûlé, we went to 60 percent. 60? 60 percent. Okay. Right. It was the first vintage. The first vintage and you went Yes. You have been doing it a little bit with the Clovisio before, yes. haven't you? Because but that was uh, the, we were yeah, uh, we'll come to that. using the whole cluster differently because we were using uh, 
as we've got the chance to have uh, 1.4 hectares, but maybe we will go uh, and talk about the Kokobulu uh, at the end. Absolutely. So there was a big um, choice to be made in agreeing the range of wines. Either we could have tried to put all the wines of the domain in, starting with the village von Romanet, or a little mini vertical of Grands Echezeaux, in which uh, appealed. Very interesting. <laughs> So, and um, the order is from oldest to youngest, so that we can see the progression that's been going on uh, over that period. And starting with uh, a vintage which is uh, dear in the heart of Burgundy lovers for white wines, but more complicated in red. Uh, and then the 14, then the 17, which is a, such an attractive vintage, and the 18, which is uh, a powerful gentleman. So uh, maybe a word or two about the parcel of Grands uh, Echezeaux, oh, yeah. because it is just all one so, block. So just to mention, because as, as you just said, we are not tasting, we have about half hectare of Echezeaux planted uh, north-south, as Michel uh, just said, in the, in the Comte d'Orvaux. So it's usually a cooler climate with some very uh, uh, amazing old vines uh, that we, we found uh, uh, in 2006. And then Grand Echezeaux, you see this uh, 20, 21, 22 uh, rows uh, all the way at the, the southern part of uh, those uh, nine hectares of Grand Echezeaux. And we also have about 0.5 hectares. Yeah, yeah. It's a very even vineyard, Grand Echezeaux. It's, you, you, it's not one of those vineyards where you can say you need to be up at this end or down at that end because it's, it's just a very, very gentle slope. Uh, it is slightly higher, I think, up at the Clos end. And it comes down before you get to the southern end, it dips a little more and then it comes back up a small amount. But even so, it's relatively regular uh, as a vineyard. Um, so 14, that year that was on a knife edge, a uh, little bit of rot and the, the famous Trossophile. You've been uh, very honest in the notes in the booklet about all the challenges each year. Um, but the people who got it right, I think, have made beautiful uh, 14s. So let's take a look at this wine. Well, you may want to say a few words about the Grand Echezeaux, uh, specific characteristic in terms of, uh, of, of the vines, of the age of the vines, of the soil, of, uh, of uh, the challenges of this parcel always uh, a little bit before, before harvest. That, that, that's what seems to be easy is actually quite, uh, quite complicated on this, on this block. Um, so Grand Echezeaux, it's uh, half hectares, as you said, and um, it's, it's divided into two blocks, one which is uh, 70 years old, and um, the bottom one is uh, younger, we say 40 years old, 40, 45. Uh, we've got deep soil, so um, normally it's not a big problem in terms of uh, dryness. Um, it's, um, it's a vineyard which is um, um, where you can see that the virus is, is uh, impacted a lot. So that's why we are thinking to, to look for some um, selection. Um, uh, mostly on the, the vintage, because I really would like to come back on, on the vintage, 14. Uh, we always think that 15 is the first vintage where we can feel the, the global warming, but uh, we don't have to forget that 14 was maybe the first one to have uh, on average during the season, one degrees war, uh, or two degrees more 
during the season. Oui, oui, oui. Voilà, la catastrophe. C'est pas grave. Continue, Michel. The, the only difference between the, the recent vintage is... Um... Stay, stay. Be careful with it. The summer, the summer was uh, very uh, humid, and we get maybe like uh, 200 millimeters of, uh, of rains. And we had this uh, botrytis, which maybe is the last vintage where we get this uh, uh, botrytis um, to yes. make us uh, a lot of uh, work uh, at the sorting uh, at the vintage. Uh, but I think that uh, on the, the wines you're tasting, you can feel this uh, warm season. Just going to save your well. right, um, and which oh, yeah. at least uh, the one that's built is the 2018, which is the one where there's the most volume. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I remember being around during the harvest time in 2014, and yes. you could see certain areas which were very sensitive and certain areas yes. which came through well. And tasting the wine subsequently, you also felt that certain people had maybe panicked and picked too early. But you like to pick quite early anyway. Your, your vines are, are sort of prepared for that. Uh, I'm not sure that we pick early or not. We just try, we try to pick um, at the good time, which is very, uh, very uh, difficult because we, you're, playing, you're playing with a climate, climate uh, which sometimes is not uh, forecasted. But uh, the focus is to, to regulate the yield for each vines and each appellation, of course. Um, Uh, saying this, I'm just going to, to give you an anecdote uh, uh, with uh, 2016 vintage where uh, the, um, we were impacted by frost and we knew already that the, the, the yield were very low. Uh, sometimes when we were cruising through the vineyards and we can see no grapes on um, uh, four, wine, four vines, for example, even if the fifth, five, uh, fifth vines got uh, 15 bunch, Yes. We took some out. Yes. So it's very uh, frustrating when you're working in, the, in the, the vineyard for all the seasons and you have to, to cut some grapes when you know that already you're going to have a, a dramatic uh, right. yield. Mm. Yes. So we just consider each vine. Uh, after, our, as we uh, controlled um, the yield as we can, uh, it's true that we mostly uh, picked early to keep the freshness. But when I'm saying early, it's not uh, unripen. Yes, understood, understood. No, I, I, it's the big question at the moment. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody has a different opinion as what constitutes ripeness. Uh, and you, in general, are amongst the people who pick earlier. But I would never criticize a lack of ripeness in the wines that you've been making here. Um, we have a couple of questions that are coming in. I'm going to take the, um, uh, the one from Hong Kong first. Uh, apart from you getting commiserations, uh, uh, Frederick, but the one from Hong Kong is, is there any one vineyard which is more of a challenge to run? Uh, Good question. Uh, or is it the one you sold? <laughs> overall, I, I will, that's uh, uh, Michel to, to answer, but overall, what we had to find is, is almost the personality of each of his block. It's, it's like a person you, you, you need to know, you need to understand, and that takes, as you said, several years. Uh, but I remember Les Brûlés in particular was, was the one that uh, puts us, put, puts us as a, as a, on, on, a, on the grill as, as, a, as a challenge, probably 
one of the most difficult to uh, to understand uh, and and probably on the opposite uh, the Clovujo has always been uh, the one with the most consistent personality yeah. I'm not saying it's an easy easy parcel but probably the most consistent in in understanding and revealing a personality that is very consistent one year after another so Michel you're the one who's actually uh, out there in the well you have a team out there you presumably have a chef de culture Yes. Uh, but otherwise, you will be very close to the vineyards. And do you have a favorite uh, spot? I don't really want to ask you if you've got a least, <laughs> least favorite, which was the question. Uh, <laughs> least of favorite, uh, we've got the chance not to have uh, so much blocks. So we say that yeah. all of them are there, particularly, and uh, I'm always uh, uh, proud uh, of them. Um, but the one which may be the most challenging, I would say, uh, in terms of uh, viticulture, uh, it's the Grand Tefoto. Right. Okay. So we've got three to look at, and uh, while we're uh, starting to taste, maybe the next one, we'll come back and we'll we'll, we'll review all three afterwards. But uh, John appears to be listening in from California. I dread to think what time it is there. <laughs> exactly. And uh, your uh, your question moves us on now a little bit more into into the cellar, and uh, so the wood treatment for the wines, and in particular. Uh, what instructions do you give for the charring of the barrels? So uh, talk me through that. So we don't have a big, big history. So it's true that we have to, uh, when we take over, uh, we, we had to, to, to test some barrels. But uh, when, I'm when I'm saying uh, testing barrels, it's testing some cooper, some toast, some original forest. And it takes a long time to have um, a feedback about this uh, result, because uh, sometimes when you're making uh, 18 months in barrels, mm -hmm. uh, you have already uh, two crops which have been happened. So uh, you, um, you can have a, a modification for the third one. Um, and it takes time to just feel uh, how your, 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 your blocks will um, react to, to the wood. Yeah. So sometimes you make tests and we always make tests. We always um, try to, uh, to, to look uh, What's happening in the, the forest industry? Uh, tasting some origin. I think that the toast today we're mostly uh, focused in uh, less toast and more uh, medium. Mm. But uh, we are looking for origins and uh, some uh, savoir-faire from uh, Cooper. I have to say, for me, it was one of the uh, clear turning points because in the early years there was some about the wood I couldn't put my finger on it I'd ask you which barrel makers you're using and it wasn't that but there was something that didn't feel completely in line in alignment with what the wines wanted to be and wanted to do and maybe that was true for the first four or five years but by the time we got into the second decade 2010-11 onwards uh, it seemed much more harmonious so you probably changed changed the toast a bit and maybe changed the coopers uh, somewhere um, there at the beginning, and some now are not uh, here anymore. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think also that we have to adapt to a maturity because uh, if you're just looking in the past, uh, if you're looking at uh, 11, 12, 13, it was not the most ripened vintage. True. So it's true that the, even if you've got some result about the Cooper, it doesn't work with a warm vintage. So you always have to adapt regarding the global warming and the maturity you're going to, to, to come uh, for the vintage, you always have to adapt your uh, selection of, um, of a barrel, uh, including uh, 
maybe some uh, Cooper or toast. And the level of new oak on the ones. Yes, because you have a relatively generous amount of new oak. So in the yes. Grand Seicheso, for example, it's... Uh, Grand Seicheso, for example, for uh, 14, we produce uh, five barrels. I'm quite sure that we were four, maybe four or five. Four, four out of five, for new, yeah. Uh, and after on the 17 vintage we, we are testing, uh, we've got, uh, so 70 is the biggest Big, crop, crop so yes. big, no, when I'm saying the biggest crop for Domaine de Genie, it's uh, seven barrels on a half hectare. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, uh, uh, it's still 14 under, barrels. It's under 30 hectolitus yes, which is yeah, the biggest crop we have done uh, ever made in <clears throat> Domaine de Genie. But seven, uh, seven barrels, we went mm -hmm. to five. Okay. But it's true that when you've got a low crop, and low barrels production, the impact of one barrels or not in terms of new oak is very important. So, 17 is regarded as um, a very attractive year, but a bigger crop, um, more early ripening style of wine, more easy drinking style of wine. Mm -hmm. And then 18 is the, is the big powerful uh, boy to come afterwards, which will probably be a, a very long-lasting wine. I've tasted the 14 and the 17. And uh, for me, there is actually a clear progression. And uh, a question has also come in from Hong Kong, saying they are finding 14, 17, 18. They are seeing a big, big uh, rise in uh, quality as they go up through, through those vintages. Is there anything that you feel that you have done differently? Well, there's also a, a, vintage, a vintage effect here yeah. no? that, uh, that applies. Uh, uh, and uh, <coughs> a change, uh, of course, uh, there is change, but I think uh, we didn't, uh, we were not the only one to change. Uh, I think the climate changed also. <laughs> uh, and also the, 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 the repartition of the water during the season change. If you're just looking for um, 14, we get 200 millimeters of water in uh, June and July. Hmm. So, uh, and you just looking at 17, it was so dry that mm. you can't have the same uh, archetype of uh, wines between those two vintage. I think that uh, 17 and 18 are, are closer some, in, a, some, in a way, in terms of um, uh, warm. Um, you can feel more the, um, the little um, volume in 17. Because we've got this expression, this uh, very this, yes. uh, red fruit, and I think eighteen is more—you um, can feel the little solar uh, of the vintage more than seventeen, and seventeen with this crop make it more digest. Yes, the seventeen. Yes. If you don't mind drinking young wines, you can approach the seventeen. Yes. The fourteen is now beginning to move towards. It's beginning to take on some secondary characteristics for me, uh, and the color is turned a tiny, tiny bit, not a huge amount. Uh, but it is clearly more mature than the 17. So those are two wines which, if you needed to, you could maybe pull them out. I wouldn't recommend people doing that. I think you would do better to keep these for a while yet, three, five years. But the 18 is a whole, wholly different wine. Mm. Yes. It's, uh... But to come back to the, the question, uh, there's, there's a lot of adjustment that, uh, that Michel and his team has made, and it comes it comes slowly in place. So we, we spoke about the, the Coopers. We we, we you mentioned, uh, uh, we mentioned all clusters, uh, use of sulfur, all these little details are, are 
are getting, are getting fine-tuned by the team and then probably there's a moment which is 16, 17, 18 vintage where, where you, you start to get it right with, with a parcel you're working on. And that's obvious with Cartier So, But yes, 18 at the Maine de Genie is a magnificent vintage, magnificent vintage. Uh, it's not yes. only uh, well. You Michel the... mentioned global yes. warming very often. I don't yeah. think it's all. It's it's really the team that that starts to 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 play at the, at the top of their game uh, around those vintages. And if you taste, you've tasted the nineteen uh, coming up yes. uh, also. There's a there's a level of quality. Uh, but also, I really think there. you're getting the picking dates right. Uh, I know there's always a discussion, and there are some people who pick very very late and still make wines which uh, uh, are interesting. But uh, I think if you want to stay more in a classical register, then you have to pick a bit earlier nowadays. The old expression in uh, Burgundy was vendange tôt, vendange tôt, vendange tard, vendange tard, which uh, is, <laughs> doesn't seem to say anything. But what it's really saying is that if the harvest is going to be early, then you should go early, even within the sort of the grouping of when people are going to go. Partly because if you're talking about an August or very early September harvest, then at that point you have got uh, much hotter sun in the sky. Uh, and so the ripening each individual day is going very fast. If it's a late harvest, then probably it's late because your grapes haven't got ripe. And at that point, uh, you are in a position in which uh, you don't have warm days. The sunshine is not doing so much ripening per day. And it's actually better if you can hold off and pick uh, as late as you possibly can. Mm. So that's the theory, but everybody's got their own uh, uh, opinion. I happen to be amongst those who think that it's a mistake to wait too long. And I have been tasting some wines in 19 at 15 and a half uh, alcohol. And the chap who made them said, just you wait till you come and taste the 2020, because it's over 16. And this is not the right way to go, as far as I'm concerned, at any rate. Um, so there is a um, and, I, and I'm not the only critic who's really enjoyed the Grand Zéchisso in the last couple of years from, uh, from, from you. But look at the density of colour in that, but it's not exaggerated. We're still in a purple. There's, no, there's nothing black about this, either in colour or in the fruit profile. Mm. It's still recognisably the fruit profile that we want. Um, but there is a, a, a sort of a serene tension, I would say, about it. So you've got that little feeling of tension rather than it being too ripe and a bit sloppy at the back. But it's... It's calm, it's serene, it's not been, it's not been worked, it's not a travail. There's a great balance in this mm. uh, 18. Of course, I'm a little based because I think I have more of this 18 outside of my glass than inside now, <laughs> uh, more or less. But uh, uh, yes. this Grand Echoso profile mm. for us has always, always been mm. a balance between a, 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 a lot of sensuality and a lot of food, mm. but energy and length. It, it balances those two things that we're all looking for. Uh, pleasure and structure, and that that eighteen shows it very well. Even even at such a young age, uh, you can you can start to read it and understand the wine. I'd just like to say that you are practicing a bit of involuntary chromatography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 captivated by that. I must say, I thoroughly enjoy the seventeen. The fourteen is good, um, but the other two I think do um, take us. Mm. And all the lineup in uh, of uh, eighteen vintage at the estate is um, is actually quite uh, mm. quite amazing. 
do send in your um, your comments, those of you who are tasting 14, 17, 18, um, to see what you think. Um, oh, a, a question has come in from a, an old friend of mine, um, yeah. but he was a regular buyer of, um, of Philippe Angel's wines mm -hmm. since uh, I started importing them in the 1992 vintage, which okay. is a very minor vintage, but was legendary for Philippe. Um, and uh, um, Patrick saying that the, the wines often stand out in supposedly lesser years, or did uh, in those days. Mm -hmm. And he says, 2016 Brulees is fantastic, which seems to bear out this view. Um, do either of you or both of you have, have, I mean, the 2018 maybe doesn't fit that model. But do you feel that um, you shine particularly regular. in the difficult years? Well, to prove that, we should have tasted, I mean, I'm sorry, but we had to make a selection, but tasting the 13 vintage would have been a very yes. interesting exercise also in this lineup because it's my, it's my belief that in, in, a, in, a, in that difficult vintage where we had, uh, Michel talked about the 16 with a frost and then with a mildew, but 13 was also a very challenging year. And, uh, and, uh, and that's where the estate shows its, uh, its consistency uh, on that side. And probably the, the, the beginning of that uh, road to quality uh, on, uh, of the estate in, in general. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to recommend that uh, if you have the 2018 um, and uh, don't really start to look at it for uh, at least 10 years, yeah. simply because there's so little of these wines <clears throat> made, that what a waste it is to uh, use up bottles uh, before they're ready. Uh, the other two earlier, but that for at least 10 years. And if you haven't got it, um, I don't think it's going to be very easy to find it, sadly. <clears throat> but the 17 is there to, to, make, to help you wait for the 18 anyway, because that's clearly a vintage yes. which will be more approachable, uh, mm. obviously, at another stage. I had a friend who was a very good restaurateur in London and loved his wine, but he was furious when people would describe something as a restaurant vintage, oh. because <clears throat> whatever, that meant, means, yeah. whatever that means. But uh, I would mean by it something which is accessible and you can put on the wine <clears throat> list uh, fairly soon after birth. Well, three wonderful wines from Grands Echisseau. Uh, but the debate always was, back in Philippe's days and still now, which is, which is the top wine, is it? which normally in most estates uh, one would expect to rate it at the very top of the tree or is it perhaps the Clos Bougeau and I used to find uh, tasting uh, Philippe's wines that it really did depend on the vintage uh, in 92 is absolutely clearly um, uh, the Clos Bougeau in other years it's sometimes the Grand Zachisseau and I did a tasting with friends a, a dinner a tasting dinner in which we looked at the Angers wines and we had mostly from those two vineyards and everybody was very shocked that we served the Clos Bougeot after the Grand mm. Seixasso and at the end of the dinner they said okay we understood why you've done it and uh, that's what you chose because you it's, chose the it's, tasting it's, order. It's uh, difficult because when you are in the cellar and then you and then when your producer choose it's it's tasting order usually you you finish with what is supposed to be maybe the either the most powerful or, or sometimes the most expensive uh, uh, and now we tend more and more to say to our to our our friends and our wine critics uh, uh, in which order would you like to taste we, 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 and we are very open about this and then the Echezo is also a, a pretty good contender uh, of, of the two others uh, but yes it's true that in terms of again of this consistency of this uh, of uh, there's a um, 
the tannins in the clovoujo are often very uh, quite tight and they, they manage to be both elegant, refined and, and very tight. Uh, after the Grand Echezeau, which is more always more jovial, more round, more smiling, more, more fat baby style very often. Uh, but it could be vice versa. And I understand that some, some could be shocked that we, we pour the Grand Echezeau before the Clovoujo, which in Burgundy might not be uh, necessarily very logical. So the Clovoujo was the wine with which you began uh, the experimentation with the whole bunches, partly because you had a lot of it. So you could do, uh, I think I'm right in saying you did a whole tank of whole bunch yes. and then a tank with none, and then oh. you blended together. And uh, what's the, uh, the, the regime now with Clovoujo and whole bunch? So as you said, uh, we, are, we have a chance to have uh, 1.4 hectares of Clovoujo. So for us, it's two tanks. So uh, we got the chance mm. to make an experiment because experimenting on the Grand Echozo is quite, uh, it's quite hard. Um, for one, we, we start uh, producing some Clovoujo. As you said, we do one distend and one um, 100%. We were vinifying, well, vinifying them separately, mm -hmm. aging them separately, and we were blending them at the racking just before uh, bottling. Now we, we change from this, we still have two tanks, but uh, now we do uh, more or cluster and, on both of them. And we always keep one barrel of each, and we're going to, to make the blend very early. And the ratio between the or cluster will be more than 70%. And we've been um, inviting uh, our, our visitors since the beginning to taste the whole cluster version and the fully distinct version. And overall, in a poll, you get 50-50. Ah, okay. 50-50 uh, it's, 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 uh, either way around. It, or, or, or you would think it the other way around, yeah. Uh, Gosh. Um, well, that, we're actually so, we're going to ask the question. We haven't prepared sometimes when we do. Uh, meet for these zooms we do a little poll at the end but um, because of the setup today we won't do that but um, uh, what we might do is ask you those of you who are um, watching direct from home could you just mention on the chat which you prefer uh, yeah. you can choose I think maybe your favorite of the three Grand Echezeau and uh, the Claude Rougeau and give a vote one way or the other and perhaps Erica and Richard in uh, Hong Kong and Singapore uh, and incidentally, uh, we've had a um, Singapore, they love your fat baby tasting note. But collect the score and, and, uh, and we'll see and we'll, we'll check at the end and see, uh, see which, which gets the most uh, excitement. I love this Clovoujo and you can really, there are two things going on in it. One is the whole bunch, which is quite prominent, that gives you this slightly different depth of a um, flavor i'm trying to find the problem is it doesn't work with a single fruit because it's it's much more complex than that uh but you also have the 2016 characteristic with that crunchiness that we saw back in exactly. the Roman exactly. and that, that freshness that yeah. michelle mentioned on the on the brulee you can see mm. the the echo in the in the club yeah. there's, there's a juicy side yeah. uh, sorry there's a, there's a crunchy juicy side in that 16 yes. with a lot of uh, of uh, 
as we say, there's a, a sevu in, in French, you would say. Sappy, but, Sappy. but I never, there was one particular UK wine journalist who would use it a great deal. I never really liked that uh, okay. expression. I prefer sevu in, uh, in, in that's French. A story between UK and well, exactly. critics, but we don't, exactly. we don't want to interfere. You don't, you don't need to hear about it. Um, but what I think, you do, I think you get more layers of flavor in this 2016 Clos Rougeau and an absolutely sublime intensity of flavor in the 2018 um, Bronze Age but uh, it's it's more linear, I would say. The, the Clos Vougeot? Uh, no, the uh, Bronze Age in 2018, compared to 16, which is partly the vintage, partly yes. two more years age, mm -hmm. and partly perhaps the, tec the technique. Um, so, uh, somebody in Paris would like to know, they've got the 2008 Clos Vougeot. To keep, to drink, keep how long? Mm. Drink. I would say keep, but uh, we, 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 don't, we don't always agree. So, so in, in the in the eight in the eight, yeah. it's you. We I, I think that's the Echezo and the Club Bougeot that are probably the most uh, successful uh, Grand Cru in that in that vintage. Uh, I would have no difficulty in keeping it as well. And because, and Club Bougeot, it's really yes. drink or keep, but but no stress in in no no, no, no. hurry in drinking. Okay. So um, uh, let's just take a look there. Um, oh, all right. The voting is in from Singapore. Uh, so it looks as though it's the Grand Seche. So Singapore, you haven't put in the Clos Vougeot unless it falls behind. But it's the 2014 Grand Seche. So mm. is, the, is the one that uh, people are really enjoying. Interesting. Mm. Victor is asking about the 2006 Clos Vougeot. That was year one. Um, Difficult year. Probably a drink. We, drink we took over drink. actually two months before the literally yes. two months before the harvest. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and Michel uh, joined the estate uh, probably one week before the beginning of, yes. the, of the harvest. <laughs> so it's, this, this was yes. done all in a, a bit in a hurry. Mm. Um, but certainly to drink now mm. the, the 06, mm. uh, if that's the if that, that is the question. Mm. Wow. Uh, yes, I'm. So far, I haven't had to disguise any of the comments from you. Uh, uh, but what's interesting is there's a huge amount of love for 2014 because it is. I think uh, it, it's growing in the glass. The aromatics are there. It's ready to drink. I've got my sort of professional wine merchant hat on, and when I taste wines, I'm always thinking about what I think will be the best when it reaches its best. And at that point, I'm more in the 18 and, 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 and 16 camp. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to read out a, a, a comment of somebody who drank the 1999 Angel Clos last night. And he thinks that all of these wines are more delicious. Oh, merci. So, voila. Thank you. And uh, I promise you that that wasn't set up in advance. <coughs> because the 99 is, uh, the bar, it's a, it's the a bar is pretty it's high. A, it's, it's a great wine. That, but, uh, uh, thank you for that comment. So um, we come towards the end of our time officially, but if you do have any more questions uh, for our team, uh, okay. then please ask them now. Uh, otherwise, uh, you may be all scurrying off to see where you can get hold of some bottles if you don't own them. Do we have any news from Hong Kong on uh, preferences between the Clos Show and the Grand Zachiso? Nothing coming in yet. No, they can't vote. Uh, no. So we <laughs> will fight each other for to finish the bottles uh, later on. But uh, 
I'm intrigued by these because each vintage is showing its own character. Each vineyard has shown its own character. And the interplay between stems and not stems uh, is also fascinating. But it is something that we expect with the organic approach and also biodynamic can help even further. You do get this, this purity of presentation from one wine to another. It's a focus. So. And managing a new oak also, as you said, is, is it's important. Impact. Yes. And uh, Michel doesn't use any uh, sulfur from 16. Uh, 16 was the first at, uh, vintage. At the, at the entry of a, of a fruit in the... So no sulfuring at the harvest. At it's, all. Uh, after the malolactic. Of course, we yes. do add some sulfur after malolactic, maybe during the summer and um, we see for, uh, before the bottling. Hmm. But we do not add any sulfur at the vinification. Hmm. I do have one last question from Singapore, and it's something I know you feel very strongly about, oh. which is, is there any shared winemaking or buildings between Clodetar and Domaine Eugénie? Yeah, it's a good question, but no, we want to, uh, on, the, on the contrary, we, this, th that would be irrespectful for, for Domaine de Génie or for Clodetar yes, to have right. the same person. Uh, each, each estate has its own personality. We certainly don't want to mix uh, the teams we want each team to work to be focused on, on their on their estate because it's it has singularity because it's a different it's a different uh, uh, village uh, and the understanding of each of his uh, his plots it's already so complicated for Domaine de Genie to have all these different plots uh, Claude de Tar within Claude de Tar you probably have uh, you you yes, you know yes, that yes, probably yes, ten different areas in that clo. Uh, so it would be uh, it would be silly to have uh, to have the same team. No, no. So on the contrary, we want to keep to keep them apart and to keep uh, to keep both teams uh, uh, sure tasting together, uh, comparing their wines, but certainly not uh, uh, mixing uh, any uh, viticulture or, or vinification practice. I, th I think well, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's a, a great way to to manage it. Well, it's been a wonderful hour together. Thank you, Thank you. Um, Jasper. A pleasure to, I'm to organize sure. this tasting with you. We're very proud to, to welcome and to welcome all of you in our uh, Domaine de Génie uh, estate. So, yes. pleasure. Come by sometime. And uh, those of you who are uh, able to meet together in Hong Kong and in Singapore, as we can't yet in Europe, uh, then uh, I'm sure you'll stay together and go on drinking and enjoying the wines. Uh, so it's been uh, really good to share this time with you. And I'll just mention that uh, uh, we've had a vote for the 2016 Show, but in Hong Kong there are lots of votes for the 2018 uh, Rosé Chazot. So this is as it should be. We have different opinions, and that's what makes the best of Burgundy. Yes, a pleasure. So um, thank you, team. Merci. I can't thank shake you. you by the hand. And congratulate no. you. But, uh, voilà, exactement. So uh, we'll hope to see you all again very soon. Thank you. Merci. À bientôt. Au revoir. Bye-bye.